Are you ready? Now back to eBay Sports. Solid hour on tap here on Heat Wave Sports. Super Sunday nights among us with Tom Barton. You can join us if you wish. 876-1340 over on the Heat Wave hotline at Tom Barton Sports at HW Sports over on that there Twitter. And Tom, we're going to talk some NHL later in the hour. Try to sneak some Major League Baseball in there as well. But <clears throat> something you and I wanted to definitely get into, and we don't talk a lot of golf on this show and that's for good reason but this isn't necessarily about golf tom this is more i think in a political situation a travesty that had happened here to john rom and uh, i'll let you break it down but basically this is a million dollar mistake by the pga here they screwed him they really did and, and i mean <laughs> isn't this isn't this just the absolute epitome of of what the situation is in, in the world today, in America today, that on the same week that we realize that Fauci's a complete fraud, which some of us have been saying the whole time, he's a complete liar and basically held the, the country captive for a year. In that same week, we have John Rahm just mistreated by the PGA for ridiculous reasons. And when I say ridiculous reasons, look, number one, let, let's just uh, put it out there. You don't do that on national TV, right? I mean, you could have pulled yeah. them to the side. There was other ways to do that. And even people that supported the decision, uh, that, that those very few people that supported the decision are like, yeah, PJ handled it wrong. That's number one. Number two is the idea that there could be false positives out there. We've seen it a lot of times in sports. Number three, he was asymptomatic, which means there were other options. He could have carried his own bag if he really wanted to. There was nobody near the gallery near him. And then I want to read two quotes to you, Tim. Okay? And the two quotes are this. Patrick Cantley, I've already had COVID. So, yeah, I've got to imagine I have antibodies. So, I don't feel too concerned. Scott Scheffler, I don't feel very concerned at all. I had COVID. I'm not going to say whether or not I got vaccinated, but I don't worry. That's from his round three playing partners, Tim. So nobody around him was worried. And isn't this the epitome of America today? That if you are not worried, and John Rom wasn't, and his playing partners were not worried, and his caddy was not worried, why did you pull him off? Why did you do that to him? Why was that the situation? Why? Because it was for show. And that's all it was. The PGA mishandled this in the public light, in the same week that it was all exposed, this entire debacle, this entire laugh uh, that, that has been the last year held captive by a man that should go to, to jail for war crime, for uh, crimes against humanities, right? I mean, this is what we know. And this is happening right in front of our face. John Rom, look, you know, you want to say that, that he's putting people in danger? I, I think his the people that are playing with him should be able to tell that. Golf is not a game where he needs to be near anybody else. He could have carried his own bag. Those two guys signed off on it. They had no problem with it. It didn't matter. And they ripped $1.46 million away from him. I expect mm. there to be some kind of lawsuit. Uh, there, there has to be. This is, you know, and I'm, look, Tom, I don't, I don't get involved politically with, you know that. I, I have my, my thoughts on it and I kind of just keep everything to myself. But, when I saw this, and you're right, number one, you don't ever do something like that publicly. That that was just you talk about for show. That was absolutely for show, and that's they thought they thought God forbid somebody died in his family or something. Right, right. The, 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 the announcer didn't even looked at. Him. Yeah, Jim Nance didn't even know. He didn't know what was going on. No, no, so, absolutely not. Secondly, you said it. His playing partners, who would have been the guys who would have been in his next group anyways, because that was the lead group. You know, you got a six-stroke lead. More likely, you're winning this tournament. They didn't care, which is fine. And, and if that was a problem with the PGA, let him play solo. Let him go out an hour early and play solo, right? Who cares at that point? And if it's about the fans, Tom, screw the fans. You don't need to have them on the course following that group around. It was completely a, a screw job by the PGA. It kind of says a lot about, and I've never been fond of the PGA, Tom. I think there's a lot of uh, 
backdoor deals being cut back there and, and it's just it's not right but but tim when is a golfer ever within six feet of, of the gallery yeah, anyway well you're supposed to be outside everything when you're outside everything's fine right tom well well <laughs> right i mean if you're depending on on if you're we're still listening to the fraud Right, I mean, he, but do, do you listen to the fraud on TV, or do you look at his personal emails that say, "Yeah, this was never a problem," <laughs> you know? So yeah, outside, uh, six feet, whatever you, you know, if other people are vaccinated, whatever you want to say, it all could have been done. It all could have been arranged. You said it. You know what? Your tea time is now four a.m. by yourself. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. What whatever you could have done, except that. That was the word. If, 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 let's have a list, Tim, of like 30 options that the PGA could have done. That was 31. You know what I mean? Like, you didn't exhaust any options. You didn't think this through. And I hope they get as much backlash as they possibly can. I mean, I haven't heard, even by most liberal uh, Democratic friends, I have not heard one person defend the PGA's take on this. I have, I have, I have guys that I am very good friends with that work with the PGA and not one of them defended the PGA's take on this, Tim. I don't think anybody thought it was going to go down like this. And I don't think that they could have handled it any worse. It reminded me of like something Bud Selig would do, right? I mean, take a, take a problem and make it a hundred times worse. Cost them over a million dollars, Tom, cost them an opportunity of regaining the number one uh, ranking in the world. This is and potentially endorsements, potentially places sure. in history. I, I mean, if if I'm sitting there and I'm a lawyer, I'll put my lawyer hat on, right? Because I took a couple of classes in college, so why not, right? <laughs> <laughs> but if I'm putting my lawyer hat on, isn't that what you're arguing? They they didn't allow my client to work at the job that he was working at. They didn't allow him uh, to continue. And this is the endless amount of money besides the 1.46 million besides his number one ranking in the world. If you finish number one, it's more endorsement. It's untold riches is the word that I would be continued to use. Tens of millions of dollars probably lost because they yanked him off the court. And how is it, Tom, that he tests? OK, we, we went through the whole thing. Asymptomatic. He, went, he tested negative every day. He tested negative before the round started, but by the end of the round, he had a positive test. What happened to this uh, quick testing that they do that you know tells you right away that that you're positive or negative? And why did it take all of the round to, to catch him right at the 18th green? BS, man. You know that's it's nothing but a bunch of crap. Well, I can tell you, I, I can tell you from experience because you know I I did have COVID when it first was out. Okay, before they even knew what COVID was. Now I had strep throat a couple of weeks ago. You remember that uh, about a month ago, yeah. and. I said, my daughter has strep throat. You know, she got it from, from her nursery school. And my son, had, had, so they both tested positive for strep throat. So I go to the doctor's office and they're, they're testing me. Oh, we're going to test you for COVID. I said, I don't have COVID. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have strep throat. I'm home with my daughter and my son. Both are positive for strep throat. Take a strep throat test. We have to test you for, for COVID. So they take this test. I test negative. She goes, but we have to give you the real test now. I said, the real test? What are you talking about? Well, this one is the one that you send away to get back in a couple of days. I said, well, what the heck was that that I just did? She said, well, that's that test. I said, okay, then, then, then why don't we just go with that? She goes, oh, we don't believe anything that says. She said, positive or negative, we don't pay attention to it. What? <laughs> Wait a minute. So then I said, well, do you pay attention to the one? And we're laughing at this point. I said, do you pay attention to the one that you send away? She goes, yeah, they're about wrong about 50% of the time, too. No. So, yeah, I mean, we're living in a world where, uh, you know, the, the, the fear mongers are running wild. And now it is ripped away one point four six million dollars out of this guy's pocket on national TV to an asymptomatic person days after it comes out that Fauci just tells his friends and family. Yeah, if you're asymptomatic, don't worry about it. You, you're not contagious. It really doesn't get any worse than that, does it, Tom? It really doesn't, man. Well, you know, remember when, when we were talking about uh, in the NFL how it seemed like every single week Matt Stafford and, hmm. uh, and and was it Matt Stafford and someone else, every single week they were, oh, on a Monday, uh-oh, he's got COVID, and then it would come up on a Wednesday and go, no, nope, false positive. Like, yeah. And it was like three weeks in a row or four weeks in a row or something ridiculous like that. And, and you go and what are we kidding me so 
this guy, you know, was asymptomatic, no problems at all. They pull him off and he's got no problems w- with anybody around him, but they're doing it. It's for show, Tim. It's it's all still for show. The masks were for show. The lockdown was for show. And now you have a golfer pulled off on national TV for show. And I hope that the, the I really do. I hope he brings a lawsuit. He probably won't because he wants to be in good graces with the PGA. But I hope he brings a lawsuit and I hope the PGA loses. Yeah. What about to all the the commenters that want to say, well, if he was vaccinated, it wouldn't even be an issue. You know what? Shouldn't be any part of their reasoning. Anybody that gets vaccinated, that's that's their own decision. And by the way, he actually got the first shot. So he was, wait, he was waiting to get the second shot. So it just shows unintelligence, people. But anybody that gets vaccinated, that's their own business. They don't have to. Why are they getting vaccinated? It, right. You shouldn't. First of all, it, it shouldn't matter what your opinion is. If his opinion is that don't get vaccinated. Here's the thing. And this is real st- statistics. John Rom not vaccinated is actually has a lower percentage than if he is vaccinated. And you go, how is that possible? Well, if you are under the age of 55 years old and you are not overweight, not obese, remember, I mean, you could be like eight pounds overweight. They, they call you obese, right? Not overweight, which obviously professional athletes are not, and under 55 in good health with no prior experiences or any other medical problems, your chances of survival of COVID of 99.7. Now, if you get vaccinated, Tim, and you're all of those things, your chances of survival are 99.3. So, yeah, nobody that is not overweight and under 55 years old should have to go get the vaccine because your survival rate is going to be essentially the same as if you did get vaccinated. But I'm not telling you to not go get vaccinated, but it's his own personal choice. He probably weighed out the options and he said, I'm not in any great risk here. It doesn't really matter, but I'm going to get the first shot anyway. And he still gets nabbed for it. It's his own choice. And he's following the protocol of taking the tests every round to make sure he's COVID free. And, you know, it's uh, at the end of the day, Tom. Well, he was COVID free to start the day. Yeah. (laughs) Within within three hours, he became positive, though. Yeah, he became positive. You know, yeah. You you know how this 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 crazy. Wow. Here we go. You know, COVID COVID works in mysterious ways. Or yes, or he probably should have tested positive before the day began. And the good old boy network, the good old boy network that the PGA is, is, I mean, it's stereotypical. If you really look at back going back years of what the PGA has done to embarrass themselves, it's just another uh, nail in the coffin for them. But you're right, Tom. He's a, from what I see, he's the type of guy that doesn't want to rock the card. And I don't, I don't think we'll we'll see anything come of it. No, and, and look, you know, he's in the middle of his career. He knows he's going to go out there and he's going to make money and he's going to still be in the PJ. He, he doesn't want to rock the boat. Look, if this guy was at the end of his career or if he was a nobody, Tim, right? Imagine this guy was, was a, 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 you know, somebody we never heard of with a six-stroke lead. And, and this is the first time he could ever win a championship. You don't think he would be bringing a lawsuit? I guarantee it. And I know Chris Wynn texts us that, you know, the NCAA, I mean, uh, PJ has, has some fine print. Yeah, you might have some fine print, but you know what? Fine print doesn't say we're going to yank you off the course in full view of the public and try to shame you. This is like the mask shamers out there and the vaccination shamers out there. You know, you should be ashamed of yourself, not the other way around. No matter what happened, you don't shame a guy like that. And that's that's what they did. The guy broke down. A professional golfer broke down because he was told you can't continue today. It's, it's yeah. terrible what they did to him. Like the doctor couldn't have waited in the clubhouse for him to get back there. He had to come out of the 18th green and tell him that. It's like because you said. It's we, a show. Because it's it, a show. exactly people, a show. And the problem is, Tim, is that there are weak-minded people that buy into the show. And they, they sat back and did, oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Well, you, you know, you had to take them off. You had to take them off. He, 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 not in that fashion. I, like I said, I haven't heard that one person say they did it the right way. But I've heard people say, oh, yeah, you can't let him continue. Why not? <laughs> Why? Yeah. why? You know, he's not meeting new people. He's not all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the caddy for like you know eight hours that day, and then all of a sudden, oh wait a minute, he sneezed on me. Now I have it. Yeah. Oh come on. Come. They could have done it in the clubhouse, had a press conference after, and announced it. And it would have been that's it would have been the end of it. You know. Of course. But, of yeah. course. Well, let's do this. Let's re- reset. We'll come back. We'll jump into some hockey, Tom. The NHL playoffs 
We'll talk about Vegas. We'll talk about the Canadian series. Talk about the Lightning. Chance to go back to back. We'll break all those down for you and try to sneak in some Major League Baseball as well on the other side of it. It's Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Sports with Tim Oglesby and Tom Barton. Heat Wave Sports, 98.9 FM, 1340. I'm right here on Fox Sports Radio every Saturday and Sunday night at 10 o'clock. Tim and Tom, Damon with you tonight. And we're going to move over to the National Hockey League playoffs. Tom, let's go ahead and start with the... Uh, We'll start with Vegas, right? And of course, if you listen to the show before leading into ours, you got to listen to well over an hour of Vegas Golden Knight fans calling in and, and Tommy saying that the series is over and the Stanley Cup will be back in Vegas for the first time because of the last two games played, whereas the tone, Tommy, after the first two games, if you listen to the show, was completely different. But hey, that's Vegas Golden Knight hockey fans for you, man. Listen, I'm already uh, on to uh, talking about you and Chris just now saying, I wonder how many games it's going to take the abs to knock off Montreal. <laughs> no, nothing's changed. What has changed? I mean, honestly, what has changed? You know, when we're sitting back and evaluating the series, okay, I told you I thought the abs were the better team. The abs have the better goalie. The abs had uh, the, the key guy, which is McKinnon, uh, who is a playoff performer. I said, I really think that it's a very, very close series. These two teams have been massively close all year long. They're neck and neck in points, neck and neck in points against. Both goalies in the top three. Everything is is so tight, and the difference is home ice advantage. That was the difference. And the abs in seven made a lot of sense, didn't it, Tim? What has changed here? So, again, Vegas fans, let, let, me, let me ask you a question. If I told you, after four games, it was going to be 2-2. Are you going to do backflips to that? Were you going to say, oh, my God, we got them? No, you would say, yeah, that's about right. Right, Tim? I mean, this is, that's about right. Now, you go out there and you win game five in Colorado. I Listen, pound your chest. That's That's the defining moment. But to win two games in a building where... You guys claim that it's such a huge home field advantage, home court ice advantage, and it is. Well, why is this suddenly breaking news, Tim? Why is it breaking news that one of the best home teams over the last three years wins at home against a team that they're matched up very fairly with? This is living in the moment and try not to. The series is tied. It's now a three-game series, except you got to play two in Colorado. What would the switch switch it around? Say say Vegas wins the first two games, and then they lose the last two. It, it would the tone would be completely different, right, Tom? Because it's supposed to be all about momentum. But you're right; nobody has stolen anything away from anybody at this point. And if Vegas wins Game Five, it changes the series dramatically, right? But if Colorado keeps home ice, the pressure goes back to Vegas again for Game Six in a situation where Vegas has not done well. Playoff historically, in in a situation where they had to win a game in in a later round, we've seen that. Tim, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Someone, okay, at meaning Vegas, has to win in Colorado. That's it. You know, mm-hmm. the regular season meant you have to win in Colorado. That's that's it. That's the that's the end of the day. Nothing has changed. Before the series began, you had to win a game in Colorado. Guess what? Still got to win a game in Colorado. And you're right. Right now, if I'm Vegas, I'm feeling good. All right, cool. We came off for two wins. But I'm also going, ah, you know what? Still got to get that road win. If I'm if I'm the abs, I'm going, all right, guys. Hey, look, there's two bad wins and two bad losses in a, a really tough spot, right? A really tough place to play. Uh, but I'm not really that worried. We're going back home. I, you know, and that's really the mentality of both of these teams. Game five is massive. And you want to prove me wrong, Vegas, and go out there and win game five. And if you win game five, and this was a game five, Tim, we'd have a very different conversation. Very different conversation. 
But I don't see why what the hoopla is. I don't see why people are getting excited right now. It's 2-2. I thought it would be 2-2. When we planned out to be on the show again this Sunday, um, I didn't expect 3-1 either way. I certainly didn't expect the series to be over. I said it's going to be 2-2. Colorado's going to win the first two games at home. Vegas is going to win the next two games in Vegas. It's going to be 2-2. When we talk on Sunday, we're going to preview the next three games. I look at Vegas fans, and you're right. Oh, here we go. Greatest team ever. Oh, my goodness. And you're going, this is exactly where the series is supposed to be. Exactly where. Nothing has changed, guys. Nothing. Well, let's jump at the current odds. Tom Circa Sports has Colorado a $1.50 favorite for Game 5 on Tuesday night at home. And by the way, Colorado is exactly the same favorite they were to open up the series. In most sports books around the country, we'll give, you know, five, five, ten bucks here or there. But it's exactly the same. You're right. Minus 150. That is a massive home favorite in, in the NHL in the playoffs. Massive home favorite in the NHL in the playoffs, guys. Massive. Think about it. Tampa Bay the other day, back home, was minus 145. Right? Montreal tonight was not, wasn't minus 150, right? So, you, you look at this and you just go, wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> so the team that has all the momentum, oh my God, Vegas is great. They're amazing. The Stanley Cup is coming home. They're, how are they a 150 favorite in the deciding, really, oh my goodness, you have to win this kind of game. Like, no, no. It's because people that are paying attention to hockey understand the series is exactly where the series is supposed to be. If you look at the bracket, the bracket shows that the winner of the West second round will play the winner of the North second round in the third round. And then North would be the Canadian division, Tom, where the Montreal Canadiens, a 5-1 win today. They take a 3-0 lead over Winnipeg. And barring a massive collapse here, we'll move into the next round. Tom, they've won six games in a row since being down 3-1 to Toronto. Tim, I did my show this week. Hashtag SGN, guys. You go go to Wagering Week, the podcast. Go check that out. I did my show this week. And I talked about how the series was over, and I didn't mean the Vegas Avalanche series, and I didn't mean the Montreal series. I meant the next series. Because I said, whoever Vegas or Colorado faces, whether it be Montreal or Winnipeg, they're going to squash. They're going to roll right over. So it's Stanley Cup. Whoever wins this is going on to the Stanley Cup Finals. That's a little credit I gave to Montreal. Man, I am massively impressed. Now, I, I do think some of it is the competition that they faced, right? They faced a depleted team without one of their stars uh, that just couldn't get out of their way once they, that he went down. And now they're facing a Jets team that, look, by and large, probably shouldn't be here, right? So let's not make too much of it. But I can't tell you I'm not impressed. I, I, I look at this team and they're playing like a team. Go ask a hockey fan to name three guys on this team. They might not be able to do it, but they're playing like a team. And they, they are playing a dangerous, scary type of hockey. We know in the NHL, there's always that team every few years that comes out of nowhere. They get ridiculous goaltending or something happens and you go, wow, didn't expect that to happen. This team this year, that might be it because they are playing very, very scary Tim. We did the preview show for, before the playoffs started. We had talked about there's always a hot goalie, right? There's a goalie that gets hot, and he kind of carries that team into a Stanley Cup final situation. And we threw out the names of Vasilevsky, of course. No, we didn't throw out Flower, but we threw out Grubauer because these guys, they were, they were playing the best hockey at that time. And Carey Price, Tom, and here's the thing on Carey Price, a veteran, 17-year vet. Uh, former league MVP at one point, and I know he's on the downside of his hockey career, but he caught fire because even the games early in the Toronto series, he was playing well. They just weren't be able to score. He's won uh, multiple overtime games in the playoffs this year, and this is a guy, maybe he's got that one last run in him, Tommy. You know, he's a veteran. He's been in the playoffs year after year, it seems like, and he's a guy that they can ride out. And the, the more momentum they catch, and whether it's Colorado or Vegas in the next round. And and I you know what Tom, I don't think they can get through that round, but still you never count on a goalie like Carey Price. He's a veteran who's won before. Well, it's funny because you know, when I when I go drive to Atlantic City to go make uh, some some sizable bets, right? Um, I I do a lot 
on series. I drove out there the, midweek this week. I put a, a nice chunk of change on the Milwaukee Brewers to win. They were just not losing three games in a four-game set to Arizona at home with you know uh, Burns on the mound and, and Woodruff. So I drove out there for that. And I said, you know, I know there's a low slate of games on Monday. I, I, I'm going to drive up later in the week because I'm pounding either Vegas or the Avs against Montreal. Tim, I'm, I'm rethinking that. <laughs> I really am. You know, I'm rethinking making a sizable bet because I'm assuming either one of them is going to be, I got to think, two to one favorites. I, I'm, I'm going to stop short of making a pretty sizable bet on one of them because of the way that Montreal is playing right now. It's no shock to anyone that the top three goaltenders, that, according to uh, the awards committee in Vasilevsky, Brewer, and Theo, right? Or, or Mark Andre. I, I, I constantly call him Theo and Flurry, by the way. And Flurry. Uh, one, two, three in the league are still in the playoffs, right? And Price is that now there. That that hot goalie scares me. And I've been burned by it before. Montreal is starting to become a dangerous, scary, uh-oh type of team. So, like you said, I don't think they beat Vegas in the next round. I don't think they beat the Avs in the next round. And it's probably going to be the Avs. Sorry, Vegas fans. I don't think they beat them. But it's got me rethinking if I should make the drive to go put a sizable bet on. Yeah. Well, there's short rest in this one. They play again tomorrow night in an elimination game. Montreal, Tommy can wrap it up at home. Dollar fifty over Winnipeg. Ah, it's tough because you have to question the motivation for a sweeping game. And you have to question the, the, the shifts, don't you? I mean, look, at this point, you don't want to ever give anything away, but you got to think, you know what, if you're Montreal, why am I going to extend some guys out there, right? If there's a, a moment to pull a guy a couple of minutes early, trim his minutes out there, aren't you going to try to do that a little bit? So it's a weird game for me where I, I'm not saying that they're going to you know, throw the game away by no means, but it's a weird game. One team's up against it. They don't want to be embarrassed. They don't want to be swept out of the building. The other team's going, all right. You know what? We got to keep our focus, but the same respect. Let's stay healthy. We know we're gonna get some time to rest here. Well, that's okay. I'm just not laying 150 with those kind of factors going around. Can't foresee a complete collapse here. No, no, no. Just, moving, I don't. I just. Yeah, they're moving yeah. on. Yeah, they're moving on. If we swing to the other side of the bracket. Look at the defending champion, Tampa Bay Lightning, Tommy. And we tried to find reasons why Tampa wouldn't repeat, right, Tom? It's Number one, it's tough to do. Number two, uh, teams adjust to your style of play. Number three, teams add pieces to the puzzle to try to uh, match up better with you. And Carolina was one of those teams we had thought after and a great regular injured, season. Tim. They, they, they were. hadn't played yeah. together. They were doing a, like a Brooklyn Nets, right? They, yeah. All their stars hadn't played together since the bubble. Right. And we, we like we both like the speed in Carolina. We thought that that would match up well. Well, this series is three one now. Vasilevsky is Vasilevsky. And here's the funny thing, you know, I, I didn't even text you, I was going to. I said, It must be a shame to score four goals and still lose by two. Because that's what happened in game four. Yeah, and you score <laughs> four goals on the best goaltender in the NHL. He's right. gonna win the award, right? I mean, four <laughs> goals on the best goaltender in the NHL and you still lose. And you'll and you get and you get money lined. I mean, uh, yeah. puck lined, right? Not yeah, even puck lined. Puck lined. <laughs> well, they get a chance to close this out Tuesday. It will be in Carolina, though, Tom. So it's a small line. If you like Tampa, dollar. I'm looking at dollar fifteen. Yeah, look, I have Tampa for the series, so I won't be doubling up on that. Um, I, I, I'm going to lay off there. I can see Carolina extending one more. They can't win in Tampa, and they know that, you know. Um, so I, I, yeah, I'm going to. I'll lay off. I could see Carolina win in that game. The winner of that series will face the winner of what we thought was the toughest d division in the playoffs, right? When you had Boston, New York, Pittsburgh, and Washington. My team's in there. You you have a team in, in the fight in that you're in New York City, right, with the Islanders. And you, I'll give you credit again, Tom. I always give you credit where, when you say it on the air. You like the Islanders because they're scrappy and they were being underlooked here. And it really, from not only from just the series aspect of itself, but from a betting perspective, you know, I told you the other day, I took the Islanders at home plus money. I got a plus 125, I think, in game uh, four because I thought that 
maybe the public was favoring Boston too much, as we saw in the first round with the public favoring Pittsburgh. And it's a situation where the Islanders are gritty and dirty. And this series is 2-2, Tommy. Best of three in this one as well. Yeah, and, and it's the loudest. Look, I'm not an Islander fan. It's the loudest arena in the NHL. Okay, and you have to factor that in. You have to factor that in, that in when all last year, most of these teams, most of these players had zero fans, right? And then most of this year, they had zero fans. So you're talking about like two years almost, zero fans, and now you go to the loudest arena in, in the country? And you got to go up against that. And look, I know Vegas has prides themselves on on how loud they are. It's not. It's just not the barn. And that's what Boston had to go up against. Um, I thought that the Islanders could steal the series against Pittsburgh. And I told you that. I thought that they would steal the first round against anybody because of their style. It is aesthetically not pleasing. It is, it is hard to watch. For anybody that is a fringe hockey fan, and they go, oh, okay, cool. I want to sit down and watch hockey. Keep them away from the TV because they'll never watch hockey because the <laughs> Islanders are tough to watch. I mean, they just are, uh, you know. But it works so well for the playoffs. They are, you said, gritty. They're slow. They're defense. They're, they're puck control. They don't have a star on that team. They don't have a guy that's going to shoot the puck on that team. Matt Brazal, he, he missed two opportunities for to me, easy goals because he's looking to pass it off because they just don't have that guy. Anders Lee went down early in the year, and he was supposed to be that guy. And let's be honest, Anders Lee is not the guy, okay? When you're talking about McKinnon and Matthews and, and McDavid, and uh, he's not even in that, that stratosphere. But the Islanders are playing well. Now, do I think that they lose ultimately to Boston? Yeah, probably. But I will say this. The Islanders are in Boston's heads, you know, yeah. and that's what happens. I'll tell a quick story here. When I was in high school, uh, we were a baseball school, okay? We were – Levittown is a baseball school. That's where I'm from, Levittown, New York. And um, there's two high schools. It's football, uh, baseball, baseball, baseball. We were in Sports Illustrated. It's two of the best baseball schools in the country for high school. But we started to, to get decent at football, and, you know, we, we were getting decent. We played – a couple of guys went to the NFL, Amos Zeroway and whatnot. And we kind of knew we were going to lose to these teams – but they always put out in the paper afterwards, man, nobody hits like those Levittown kids. And that was kind of our thing. And then after a couple of years, after two years of that, one of the kids on the team was like, oh, man, you know, we're, we're worried about you guys. Worried about us? Why? Because we hit you harder. That's Boston. Boston knows, you know what? We're better than them. We're better than them in every facet of the game. We should have no problem with them. But the Islanders are in their heads because they're doing what bothers Boston. It bothers Boston to slow down. It bothers Boston to get bumped in the corner, to get hit the way the Islanders hit. It bothers Boston to play that grudge in the dirt, kind of muddy, ugly game. It bothers them. And the Islanders know it bothers them. I think Boston still wins this series, but it would not shock me to see the Islanders go out there and do it. When we pinpointed goaltending, and <clears throat> you said it, right? Vasilevsky, Flurry, Grubauer, the top three. Um, I, I wasn't looking at Carey Price, right? That, that, his name never came out of my mouth on the preview show. No. But, Tommy, I did say, and we were handicapping the Boston-Washington series, I said, look, I don't like it, and I don't like it because we don't have the goaltender that Tuka Rask could be, that Tuka Rask I've seen in the past be that guy. But he hasn't been, right? I mean. But he's kept him in. Yes. But he hasn't been this year before the playoffs is what I'm saying. Right, right. You know, that was my my defense. I'm like, they're not even sure they're re-signing him. But for whatever that veteran switch is that they have, right? Carey Price, same thing this year. Banged up and, and, uh, you know, they barely made the playoffs, Montreal did. But the veteran switch flips on at some point. Tuka Rask has won before. Carey Price has won before. I'm not sold on uh, Varley for, for the Islanders, even though he had a good regular season. You know, I've watched him fail in the playoffs in Washington and Colorado, back-to-back teams, and now he has an Islander situation. I think if the series goes, if it goes deep, past, if it goes to seven, obviously Boston on home ice, I like that situation. If the Islanders are going to do it, Tom, they need to win the next two games and put them away. Game five tomorrow night in Boston, and they're a $1.90 favorite for, for the Bruins. Yeah, you know, I, I think Boston probably writes the ship, but it's hard not to like a dollar eighty coming back. It's yeah. hard not to, right? I, I mean, 
you're, you're right. Look, when, and again, I'm not an Islander fan, but but the bar, you know, it was an Islander bar. So I talked to everybody. I'm I'm going, I, and Vegas fans are going to hate this. But when Robin Leonard left the Islanders, I said that there goes their chance to win a Stanley Cup, because I do think that he can win a cup, or he could have with the Islanders. I don't buy into the goalie, but I'm telling you, there's something plus 180 for a team that's getting back into your head. Uh, I'm tempted, Tim. Very, very tempted. But you could put a little spare change on that, Tom. You know? That might not be a play. That might just be one of those Tom plays. <laughs> Tim, I didn't release this to my, my members, but hey, if you got a little extra change laying around, throw it on the Islanders tonight, man. Yeah, look, I have to have a couple of those, right? Because yeah. I can't, I can't mess with my pristine thirty-three and twelve record in the NHL on, on a plus one eighty underdog. No, I can't no. do that. Unbelievable year you've had, and, and so you said the reason you started watching all the Islanders games was because of the bar, right? I know the reason why. Mostly, and we've talked about this too, again, the NHL playoffs, and nobody really talks about it because there's no stars. All the stars have been eliminated, right? We're talking about the, the Matthews that you like watching in Toronto, Edmonton, McDavid, gone. So we're, we're hanging on to Nate McKinnon, who's not exactly the, the most marketable star, Tommy. But is that is that what you say? You watch the games of the players you want to see play? Yeah, with hockey with me, you know, I used to, and I've told this story a couple of times, I used to work overnights. For 10 years, almost 11 years, I worked overnights. So I got real into West Coast, Coast hockey. I mean, I love the abs with Patrick Waugh, and I love, you know, the Shark series, and I got real into it. But I didn't have a team, you know, so I kind of just followed the stars. And I was doing almost a fantasy version of I'd pick my two, three guys from, uh, you know, every night, and I'd go, oh, I can't wait to watch these guys. And, yeah, that's kind of where I'm going here. I mean, I look, I like Tampa because they won me a lot of money last year. Um you know, so I'm keeping my eye on them, and obviously, you know, I, I have to root for uh, Vegas so we could kind of have something to talk about. But I do look. McKinnon made me some money. Outside of that, there's just not a lot of oomph in this playoffs. The only kind of juice we're gonna get, and I like I like goaltending play. The only kind of juice we're gonna get is either Flurry against Vasilevsky. Or better yet, Grubauer against Vasilevsky. To me, the number one and two goalies going up against each other, to me, that's like an ace against an ace in baseball. So unless we get that, if Carolina or Boston or the Islanders or Montreal move on, Tim, and that's the cup, I don't think we're <laughs> going to get any of that juice, man. We're just not. Yeah, We might not even talk about it if those were the teams in the finals, right? Because it's not. Could you imagine? Uh, well, you. But here's the thing. You know, I was just going to say. Could you imagine Montreal going? But that would be massive for Canada. It and would. I would right. love if Montreal went. Yeah. You know, Montreal Islander, Islanders, or Montreal Carolina would be disgusting. But you know what? It would work really well because Montreal hockey's in a good spot this year because and, and they're either going to get the cream of the crop, which is the bet one of the, one of the two best teams, uh, and they might get that against the defending champ or. Maybe Montreal goes. They're going to have somebody to really market. Either the Canadian, here we go, you have a Canada has a shot, or Vegas or the Avs. I mean, they're going to have somebody, and you got a chance to go up against Tampa. I think the NHL needs Carolina out. They certainly need the Islanders out, and you probably want Boston out. You want it to be Tampa Bay. I had a friend ask me, what's the <clears throat> the biggest storyline for the NHL playoffs? He goes, is it Vegas? I go, no, it's not Vegas. He said, it's Toronto. He's like, Toronto? Why Toronto? I said, they won a cup in forever. And they had, this is previous to the injury, right? And it was, uh, I said, that, you know, they, they can feel it. They can feel that that aura. Well, screw that. The biggest story is Montreal, Tom. No no Stanley Cup since 93. And for the, for the sport of hockey, which is dependent on Canada being successful as – they, they need the Canadian team. They have to have at least one or two that are good. They've had just a rough time in Canada with, with the Stanley Cup, and that's the biggest story of the playoffs right now. And if you want to give me Montreal and Carolina in the finals of a, of a snore fest, if Montreal wins it, it's absolutely huge in Canada, and I'm okay with that, right? I'm okay with that living in Vegas. Vegas winning the Cup to me, and, and people will say it's personal hatred. It's, it's not. I'm past that now. It's just not a big story to me because I think there's better storylines out it's there. It's bad for the sport, Tim. Vegas winning is very bad for the sport. And, and I can tell you exactly why. We were holding a draft party 
uh, at the bar. Okay, there was people from not only from New York there, right, and not only just Islanders and Ranger fans. Uh, we had uh, Devils fans, Boston fans, Pittsburgh fans. Everybody's watching, and this is a comment that I heard multiple times. Oh, I hope they don't just give a cup away like they did with Vegas, who cheated their way. That's the prevailing thought. They don't want that to happen to Seattle. Oh, I hope they don't give Seattle just all great players like they did to Vegas. I hope they don't change the rules and just hand them a playoff appearance. That's the prevailing thought. You know, now, I think it's getting away from that a little bit, you know, into year, you know, three and four. And down the road, it'll kind of get away from it. But Vegas wins around the country. That's how people see the Vegas Golden Knights as they got an advantage that no one else got. And it was an unfair advantage. Now, you could believe it or not, Knight fans, you, you could hate on me. I'm not the one who said it, okay? I'm relaying a message of what that really means across the country. The Knights are not a story other than people going, yeah, they got an unfair advantage, built an unfair team, and this is just not, not something that hockey fans want to hear. I told you that last year or two years ago when I was up in Canada, and couple of Canadian friends of mine were going, oh, man, you know, oh, you're doing Vegas games? I said, yeah, we're on right after the Vegas Golden Knights. It's awesome. I'm kind of into the team. This is right right when they came out. I said, you know, I, I, I think, like, they're going to be a team that I like. And they went on a tirade, how it's a disgrace to hockey. It's horrible. They couldn't believe what they did. Now, it's not Vegas's fault. It's the NHL's fault. But that's how people believe around the country, at least a portion of people. Or look at the Vegas Golden Knights as that they got gifted something that they should never have gotten gifted. And I'm one of the only Las Vegans that agree and have said that verbally and was chastised for it, being called a hater. No, I grew up in an era where expansion teams were bad and you had to earn your stripes. And this was a complete monetary move for the NHL. There's no doubt about that. They had to be successful in Vegas out to shoot. They have to be successful in Seattle out to shoot. I believe, Tommy, we'll see in this expansion draft coming up, the rules are tweaked slightly. Well, no, they had yeah, they had the expansion draft, right, with, with, with Seattle. And I was so happy that Seattle didn't get number one. Look, Tim, I know you're a Kraken fan at this point. But, man, after watching Buffalo suffer the way they did, I was like, you got to give Buffalo number one, man. You just don't, don't you have to? A team is that bad and that pathetic. You just hope, like, don't give it to, to Seattle coming into the league. Uh, that's that was for um, that was for the draft for the the entry draft, right? I'm talking about yes. the, the distribution draft oh, oh, that's going to okay. happen in July. Yes. So I believe the rules are tweaked slightly, but if you look at the rules, Vegas doesn't give up anybody in that first oh. in that first run. So it's still it's still. Um, it's still jaded a bit. And my, my whole thing on it was that the NHL had to do it monetarily. It wasn't about, you know, cutting your, your teeth. They had to make up a winner here because, and I asked all the people I know in Vegas that are hockey fans, Chris Wins of the world, if Vegas was a true expansion team and won 12 games in the first season and 14 in the second season, would that place be sold out every night and be the second loudest arena, right, Tom, in the NHL? That's an absolute no, it wouldn't. Well, of course not. And you know what I, I equated to? I know you're a wrestling fan, and we got a lot of wrestling fans that listen in. I equated to the wrestler that's getting pushed by Vince McMahon that the fans don't really want. And you go, you know, maybe he did deserve to be here, right? And maybe he is a pretty good wrestler. And, and maybe he's going to have a good career. But you're shoving him down my throat, man. And, and you're giving him advantages, right? I mean, doesn't that make... Like, remember Roman Reigns before he went over to, to SmackDown? Roman Reigns was the guy they were pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And you're like, dude, I get he's a good wrestler, but we don't want him. Stop pushing him down my throat. And then once they stopped the push, turned him to a bad guy, gave him Heyman. All of a sudden you go, oh, wait a minute. Hey, he's, he's pretty good now. Uh, okay, yeah. we can accept that. And I think Vegas needs that. Stop. Stop giving them every advantage possible and and let them just build up and people will buy it. People want to root for the Vegas Golden Knights. People around the country, they love Vegas. You know, everybody, there was, there was a good comment online. I, I wish I could attribute to somebody. It, it was somebody from Vegas that uh, said, you know, the, the Sharks fans were all chanting, uh, you know, Vegas sucks and they'll all be here in a couple of weeks for a vacation. And you're going, yeah, of course, everybody loves Vegas. I love Vegas. I want to root for this team. But there is that that underlying thought from NHL fans that they just got an unfair advantage. They did. 
and there's I think there's another piece of humble pie coming Vegas's way. Year one, you shouldn't have been in the finals. You lost. Year two, exit in the, in the playoffs early, right? Year three, screwed by San Jose, whatever you want to call it. I think there's another piece of humble pie coming this year, Tom. But that all leads to eventually you're hoping that you build off that that uh, you learn from your your mistakes, right, Tom? But the problem Tim, is me, they, they're too good too fast. Let me ask you this, though. When do, do the Vegas Knights ha- have to win? You know, because look, forget about the expansion team and all that, right? I'm talking about from a fan's perspective. If they don't win the cup this year, you, you see the door on Flurry closing rapidly, right? I mean, we see that. If they don't win this year, and it's been four straight playoff exits, if they don't win this year, when do fans start to get antsy, or do they? They don't until they start losing. Okay. And I mean regular season losses. Right, right. I got you. Because it's it's all about status out here, Tom. People don't go. To, most of those people don't care. <laughs> they don't care. They don't know about hockey. They just go to have fun and drink and hang out with their friends and cheer because the team's so good. But that's why I said if they were a true expansion team, and they're losing consistently. The arena's not sold out. I don't care what anybody... You cannot convince me that you're going to sell out a 20,000-seat arena with a team that won 14 games during regular It's not happening. They're not paying those prices to watch a loser. So, the, you know, the thing about Vegas is, Tommy, they're capping themselves quickly here. So if they're going to get it done, I think it needs to be done in the next two, three seasons because they're going to run out of money as far as where everybody else is at. And that advantage that they've gotten... It's going to go away, and people are going to, players are going to leave. The good players are going to leave. It might be this year, though. I mean, it, but look, they, they got the series tied. I do believe, and I, I said this. You guys go check it out. Uh, hashtag SGN Sports Garden Network. I've said this. I went in depth about this. I do believe, and I know Tampa Bay is tough. I do believe that whoever wins this series, Tim, is the Stanley Cup champion. Whether it be the Avs, whether I, I still believe it's going to be the Avs, but whether it be Avs, whether it be Vegas. And if you really want to really put it in in a giant capsule, Tim, I think if Vegas doesn't win Game Five, the Abs are your Stanley Cup champion. Okay. I know when we did our picks, I picked Tampa to go back to back. I love that storyline, and I thought he was the best goalie, and I'm, I'm going to stick with that right now. But you're right; it's going to be a great final either way. So, do you believe that Game Five is as important as I'm making it out to be? It, it has to be, right? It has to be. Um, I, I don't think there's a game seven. Winning a game seven. Yeah, they yeah. can't win a game seven. No. I don't think there's a game seven at all, anyways. I think whoever wins game five wins a series in six. But it would be crazy for a game seven in Colorado, though, wouldn't it, Tom? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't see them winning a game seven. I, game five, you know, I'm not sure. I, I think the Avs win. I think that it goes back home and they win. But again, hot goalie. And both yeah. of these teams have it. I know you Vegas fans, well, you got all, all over Grubauer tonight. But both of these teams have it. They can have that unbelievable 40-some-odd save kind of performance where their goalie stands on their heads. That is the danger of Game 5. Game 5, for anybody out there that is a fringe hockey fan, stop watching the Islanders <laughs> and go watch that Game 5. Tom, quickly, give me... Your thoughts on we're at the 60-game mark in Major League Baseball. The Yankees now six and a half games out in the East, swept by Detroit, swept by Boston this weekend. Uh, when, when have you have you reached for the pan? Is the panic button in sight for you, my friend? Fire everyone immediately. <laughs> Fire! But Aaron Boone sitting on his hands. Aaron effing Boone is standing for something now else now. Get rid of Aaron Boone. This team, Tim, get rid of Cashman too. This team was built on garbage analytics with a bunch of right-handed hitters in a left-handed hitters power park. I don't know how they missed that. I hate this whole new analytics thing. Give me a team rather than just a bunch of hitters. And imagine this. The New York Yankees have the third lowest ERA in baseball. If they didn't have that, they might be competing with Boston, Baltimore in the friggin' basement. This team is awful. I would fire everyone. And the first person I'd get rid of is Giancarlo Stanton. You want him for a bag of balls? I don't even need a bag of balls. Just give me the bag. Give me an empty. That's what I'm giving Giancarlo up for. But what's going to happen here, Tom? I think they have to make a move. You're gonna yeah. you're gonna see something stupid like like a hitting change, you know, a hitting coach or something like that. Something silly, but a move will be made. And I'm telling you right now, yo, Hal Steinbrenner, you are not your father because your father would have said, "Go get me someone." I want to see who the Yankees go get. If they sit on their hands again here, Yankee fans, 
will riot. Aaron Boone will not finish the season. It's going to be about the trading deadline because the only Yankee fans that I have heard that are saying, okay, it might be okay, is because they all expect somebody to come in. The question is who? You need to send a field. Trevor Story isn't helping the cause, okay? Trevor Story's not doing a thing for us. You need a center fielder. You need a left fielder because Clint Frazier's not the guy. And I guess what? Torres can't play shortstop either. So they're bad at fundamentals. They can't play up the middle defense. Yeah, you know, things that are generally important in building a franchise. Cashman should go. Boone should go. Stanton should help him pack. And Torres could drive him there. Tommy, we'll check in next week and see how you feel after another seven games. Just uh, it went it went south very quickly on them. Let's just put it that way. It went south quickly because they built a team that that is intended to go south. Hmm. You know, if I told you that that uh, Aaron Judge was like a few home runs off the lead and batting three hundred, and, and Garrett Cole is the best pitcher in the American League, and, and uh, Aroldis Chapman is a zero point zero ERA, you go, yeah, Yankees are doing pretty good. Yeah, not so much. Tom, talk about the site. I know you're going to have a winner up there for us tomorrow for Monday action. Yeah, absolutely red hot. I've won 15 of the last 17 games I've put up over the last uh, week and a half or so. That's TomBartonSports.com. Guys, jump on board right now. It's TomBartonSports.com. And make sure you go listen to the podcast. Like it. Subscribe. I need them all. It's wagering week. You can go listen to the show. We are on 105 stations across America syndicated. It is Hashtag SGN Sports Garden Network, G-A-R-T-E-N, Sports Garden Network. Solid job as always, Tommy. As far as I know, we're on both days next weekend, so I'm looking forward to it. All right. Talk to you guys next weekend. Have a good one. Tom Barton, TomBartonSports.com, hashtag SGN. Always, always solid, great work by Tommy. For Devon Cotton, welcome back, my man. I'm Tim Ungles. We have a great sports week. We're back at it next weekend right here on Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. That's 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Have a great sports week. We'll talk to you then.